Can you unlock the deadly secret of the sacred stones? A trip to Florida seems like a great way to spend a summer vacation, until you find one of the mysterious Calusa Gull Stones. According to an ancient Indian legend, the stone has a mate, and if the two are paired, a terrible power will be unleashed. You're determined to find the stone's mate, and destroy them both, before a deadly time-traveling spirit can use their power. But will you be able to locate the other sacred stone and stop this ancient evil before it's too late? If you decide to look for the other sacred stone in a chest aboard a houseboat, turn to page 24. If you decide to search the Calusa burial mounds instead, turn to page 86. But beware, no one knows the true power of the stones. You might end up being hunted by thousands of killer birds. Or you may defeat the ancient evil and save the world. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star. 18 exciting endings. Choose Your Own Adventure Book 79, Mystery of the Sacred Stones, by Louise Monroe Foley, and illustrated by Leslie Morell. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose your own adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. And this book sounds nutty as a fruitcake. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Haven't seen Louise Monroe Foley in a while, so. Yeah. And I think this we m- like her yeah. previous books. All her of books them, tend to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, we have uh, we have a map of Perez Estate. I guess it's the map of the Perez Estate. I have no idea what that is. Okie doke. Yep. There's uh, Professor Harrison's camp and the alligator slough and a burial mound and Gull Bay and Edna's boat, whoever Edna is, and a town (laughs) (laughs) and Turtle Island where we get to ride the turtle. The Turtle Island has a name, but a town is just named a town. Yep. (laughs) The, uh, the cover of this, by the way, like, I don't even know. I guess somebody found both halves of the stone because it looks like she's holding the completed thing above her head. She looks Egyptian. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it just summons birds. Um, yeah, a seagull. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it just summons an angry seagull. Uh-huh. So be prepared for that. <laughs> Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. You can have many different adventures as you try to solve the mystery of the sacred stones from an ancient Indian burial ground. As you read, you will be able to make choices. Your choices will determine whether you succeed in solving the mystery. The adventures you have are the result of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you make a decision. The stones have a strange power, and if you're not careful, you may be caught in their spell. Good luck. You're complaining to your mother. I already hate us. You're <laughs> complaining to your mother about spending the summer in the city when old Mr. Canner from next door comes over to borrow a ladder. Hmm. That's a sentence. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to go, child? He asks gruffly. There's no place like home, you know. Home is boring, you say. Oh my God, kill us now. <laughs> it's hot and there's nothing to do. 
I'd like to be anywhere but here. Mr. Canner chuckles and lifts his cap to scratch behind his ear. You sound just like my sister Edna, he says, who apparently has a boat <laughs> somewhere <laughs> by town. Sweet, we're not even going to our relative, we're going to someone else's relative. Sounds like it. Excellent. Got a letter from her this morning. Come and visit me, George, she says. You must be bored daffy in the city. Bored and baked. <laughs> he sounds baked. He sounds baked. <laughs> he replaces his cap and looks at you. Of course, that's not what she means at all, he continues. She means she wants some pot. She means she <laughs> wants some help. Painting and fixing her houseboat. She broke her arm this spring. Ain't got her strength back yet. Houseboat, you say? Where's your sister live? Houseboat, hell yeah! Lives it is in, the 80s. Hmm? Lives in Florida. On the, <laughs> <laughs> on the Gulf side. Are you going to go, you ask slowly? Thoughts are spinning in your head. Nope! <laughs> <laughs> Can't go till next spring. Got too many painting jobs lined up this summer. Guess I'll send her some money so she can hire someone. Edna's on a tight budget. Mr. Canner, you say? I can paint and fix things. Take one for the team and go to Florida for the summer? I could go and help her for nothing. What? You avoid looking at your mother as you speak. She's dead to you. <laughs> <laughs> that woman is jumping for joy that you're leaving for this summer. It's <laughs> not a bad idea, says Mr. Canner, especially since it's not going to cost me anything. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you two could get along. Edna's set in her ways. Been living alone on that houseboat ever since her husband, Mac, died. That was 20 years ago. She's out there on the edge of a swamp near a civilization is a village a mile or so away. One main street, two lampposts. I know I could get along with her, you say, and I'd work hard. I need to talk some more with Mr. Canner, your mother says. You go to the store and get some bread. She hands you some money. <laughs> Off with you, child. You ride your bike to the store, wishing you were at home, where you don't want to be, mm -hmm. to hear the conversation. But you have no cause to worry. In a few days, you're on a plane heading for St. Petersburg, Florida. Heck yeah. A short, stocky woman with curly gray hair is waiting for you when you get off the plane. I'm Edna McDonald. My husband was Mac McDonald, apparently. She tells us this? No, no but oh. her husband's name was Mac, and her Mac. last name is McDonald. Mac McDonald. Well, I mean, Mac was probably just a nickname or something. His real name was Donald. Donald McDonald. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm Edna McDonald, she says. Grab your bag and let's get on the road. She leads you out to an old green pickup truck in the parking lot. Edna talks nonstop as you drive along, telling you stories about Florida, its history, the first explorers, the wildlife, the Everglades. You scarcely realize that two hours have passed until you notice the sun is setting. We're almost there, she says. You know a lot about the state, you say, as she steers into a narrow road bordered on both sides by tropical greenery. It's barely more than a trail. Edna nods. I've lived here for 40 years, she says. Came as a bride and never left. Why would you? You have a houseboat. Mm-hmm. Wait, houseboats are meant to travel. <laughs> yeah, well, this houseboat appears to be in the middle of a lake. Oh, um, yes. No, there actually is a, there's a river leading out of it, so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What happened to your husband, you ask hesitantly? Oh, my God. <laughs> Mac, she says softly. 
Mac McDonald? <laughs> he was out on the Gulf when a storm came up. They never found him or his boat. Mm, not suspicious at all. <laughs> That's terrible, you say. Yes, she replies. It was. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> that was 20 years ago. I've been collecting the insurance money ever since. <laughs> I've got the sweet houseboat, too, out of mm-hmm. it. She veers to the left into a clearing and points at a gray, weather-worn houseboat tied up along a rickety pier. Here we are. That's the Jolly Mac. Who's that man on the cabin roof taking pictures, you ask? I thought you lived alone. I do, Edna says grimly, slamming on the brakes. She jumps out. That must be his red jeep parked over there, you yell as you run to catch up with her. Edna glances over her shoulder at the vehicle. Never saw it before in my life, she snaps. Him either. Hey, she yells at the man. You're trespassing. Get off my boat. She hits the pier on the run with you right behind. The man is big and blonde. He has the muscular build of a bodybuilder. Oh, not the fuck buddy, huh? Mm-hmm. She has never seen him before in her life. Mm-hmm. He turns at the sound of her voice. Instinctively, you know you don't like him. His white shorts and shirt show off a beautiful tan. <laughs> but his gray eyes are cold, even though he smiles as Edna approaches. You reach down and pick up a piece of wood from the pier, just in case. <laughs> you need to whittle. We're going to kick some ass. Yeah. No need to get upset, Mrs. McDonald, the man says, fingering the expensive camera hanging around his neck. I haven't disturbed anything. I just wanted to get a better angle of the sunset. The roof of your cabin provided me the perfect view. How do you know my name, Edna demands. He doesn't answer, but jumps lightly to the pier. You realize he'll have to pass you to get to his jeep and brace yourself to stop him. But to your surprise, he turns and walks the other way, down the length of the pier toward the water. As he reaches the end, you hear the sound of a boat motor starting up. He's not alone. Someone is waiting for him under the pier. At the same time, an engine crackles to life behind you. You whirl around. Someone is starting up the jeep. Oh no, there's two someones. Pop the tires. If you run to get the jeep's license number, turn to page 11. If you head for the end of the pier, turn to page 32. License plate. Yeah, we're going to be practical on this one. And also pop the tires while we're there. I mean, we have our piece of wood. Mm -hmm. Bash the window or something. You run toward the jeep. You know it can't get out of the clearing quickly. The road is too rough and too narrow. The driver, a dark-haired woman, sees you coming and steps on the gas. The motor floods, dies, and then starts up again. (laughs) A young woman hurries from the underbrush. She stoops to pick up something, sees you, and instead runs for the jeep. Good lord, how many people are on our property? Stop! You yell as she leaps into the passenger seat. Freaking Woodstock out here. I guess. The jeep bounces out of the clearing, but not before you notice that the license plate frame is empty and that a large scratch <gasps> mars the shiny red finish on the driver's side. Oh, illegal. Damn it. Disappointed, you walk over to see what the woman left behind. There's some pretty shells, some brown and black object that looks like teeth, and a strange slab of rock with unusual markings on the top. The jagged edge along one side tells you that it has been broken off a larger piece. They got away, you tell Edna, when you get back to the houseboat. But they left these. What are they? They look like teeth. It's exactly what they are, she says. Fossilized shark's teeth. There are thousands up and down the coast. You hand her the rock. They left this, too. Edna draws in a quick breath. From a burial mound, she whispers. Her hands tremble slightly as she examines the markings. And she sets it down carefully on the drain board. The etching looks like a bird, you say, but the rock is broken. 
We only have a piece of it. Edna nods excitedly. Yes, the rock has a mate. Come and show me where the woman came out of the underbrush. Hurry, we don't have much light left. She goes to her bedroom and brings you a flannel shirt. Put this on to protect your arms. The marsh grass will cut. She grabs a flashlight and hands you a lantern, and you hurry to the clearing. This is where she came out, you say, pushing through the foliage. Can you tell me what we're looking for? Yes, child. A lot of people call you child in this book. <laughs> yes, child, Edna says. We're looking for the Gold Bay burial mound of the Calusa Indians. Burial mound, you say, with a shiver. Edna nods. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> the Calusas lived in Florida hundreds of years ago, before the Seminoles. There's a legend that part of the tribe was sent to this area to protect the land from explorers. The Spaniards had already come in up north. It's said they settled at Gull Bay, but no one has ever been able to find their burial mound. That's one reason Mac bought this land. He was certain the burial site was close. Was Mac an archaeologist, you ask? No, he was a fisherman. But he knew more about Florida's history than most of the archaeology professors at the university. He grew up on the Gulf. Professor Harrison even used to have Mac talk to his classes and show them his collection of artifacts. Harry, Harry Harrison is working on it. Oh my god. His name actually is Mac McDonald. <laughs> god damn it. Harry Harrison is working on a dig east of the village this summer. What is Edna's brother's name? Mr. Mr. Canner. Canner. I don't know what his first name would be. Colin Canner. Chip Canner. Connor Canner. Connor Canner. Connor Canner. Go. That's got to be it. So she's lived here for 40 years and she's never found the burial mound. That is correct. Okay. We're here five minutes and we're going to find it. That is correct. <laughs> Didn't you ever look for the burial mound before you ask? My lands, yes, Edna replies. Just a saying that I've never heard before. Mac and I went over this property inch by inch, many times. I bet you did. <laughs> then why are we looking tonight, you ask, puzzled. Edna grins at you. Florida land is slippery, child. It's alive. It moves. I bet it is. <laughs> Sometimes, a few years after folks build a house, they have to add an extra step to the porch, because the house is raised six inches. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one alone. <laughs> and sometimes whole lakes just disappear overnight, like somebody pulled the plug in a bathtub. Fortunately, we got a lot of lakes. So you see, the burial mound could have been here all along, but until the time was right, we wouldn't have found it. She stops walking. Overhead, the moon is shining silver on the tall grass. Ahead, you can see two paths where the grass has been beaten down. We'll be here till midnight checking both paths, Edna says with a frown. Guess we'll have to wait till morning. No, we won't, you say. You go one way, I'll go the other. Let's split the party. She looks at you questioningly. Aren't you afraid? A little, you say, but I want to go on. Okay, says Edna. Which path do you want? If you take the path to the north, turn to page 49. If you take the path to the south, turn to page 71. Literally, Flip a coin. No yep. information. Literally no information whatsoever. No, no footprints, no flowers, no... This is a total <sighs> blind choice. North. Okay. Going north. For no good reason. I'll take the path to the north, you tell Edna. Hold the lantern high and watch where you step, she warns. Are there wild animals out here, you ask? Yeah, it's Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or snakes? Yeah. Yep. Yep, to both. But they won't bother you if they see your light. And watch out for pockets of quicksand. 
Mm-hmm. I think that should have <laughs> should have been much more a problem. Quicksand, you repeat. We won't go in far tonight, she continues, checking her watch. I'll meet you back here in 15 minutes. You nod and start off through the grass with the lantern held above your head. You can hear the gulf waters lapping at the shore, and once in a while a night bird calls out. You wish you'd ask Edna what a burial mound looks like. <laughs> what if you don't recognize it? You walk along without seeing anything but tall grass and tropical shrubs. And you're about to turn back when your lantern flashes on something ahead. It's high, at least twice as tall as you are. And it seems to be silver. Could it be a bush of some kind, you wonder? You hurry toward it, squinting through the dark, and then stop. It's the most spectacular thing you've ever seen. Hundreds of thousands of shells piled in layers with a mother-of-pearl opalescence that catches the light of your lantern and reflects a soft, glimmering sheen. There's no doubt in your mind, you found the Calusa burial mound. Edna, you yell, it's here, this way! Within minutes, she's at your side, and the two of you stand and stare silently at its beauty. Let's go now, she says softly. We'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. When you get back to the boat, Edna heats up some chowder while you make up a bed for yourself on the sofa. You notice that several times she glances at the rock on the drain board, and you wonder what is so special about it but you're too tired to ask. When you've finished eating, you both turn in for the night. Have a good sleep, Edna says, pausing at the door to her bedroom. The couch is pretty comfortable, and in a few days you'll get used to the motion of the boat and the sound of the water. I won't hear a thing, you tell her, biting back a yawn. But you're wrong. You don't know what time it is when you wake up, but you sense the presence of another person in the cabin. You open your eyes just a slit and lie very still. Someone with a flashlight is searching the room. The moonlight beams in through the window, and you get a glimpse of the person's face. It's the driver of the jeep. She has the flashlight trained on the drain board, and you watch as she picks up the rock and silently leaves. What? Should you follow the intruder, or get Edna? If you follow the intruder, turn to page 46. If you wake up Edna, turn to page 108. I don't know what Edna's going to do to help us. I don't know either. I'd say follow. Yeah. Follow. These guys really want this rock. We're big, strong outdoor boys. That's right. You know that you could yell and accomplish both. I know. You swing your legs over the side of the couch and hurry after the woman. She walks quickly toward the water end of the pier, turning once to look over her shoulders. She sees you! Damn it. Your feet slam down hard on the weathered board of the dock as you race after her. You're gaining! In the soft moonlight, you see her reach for something in her waist. You throw yourself down flat on the pier as a knife flashes through the air and embeds itself in the piling behind you. She drops to a waiting rowboat, and the light goes on in Edna's room. Yeah, she, she woke up. She must have heard the running, but you can't wait for Edna. The woman's going to escape if you don't do something. Just a few feet away is the board you picked up this afternoon to defend yourself. She can't get away quickly in a rowboat. If your aim is good, you ought to be able to stun her, or you could leap into the boat with her. If you decide to throw the board, turn to 101. If you leap into the rowboat, turn to page 43. Chunk that board at her. Number one. She threw a knife at us. Yeah. Why are we not grabbing that? Exactly. <clears throat> but short of that, I kind of want to do the movie run and jump into you the boat You want to run into thing. the boat? What but, if she has another knife? But I do like possibly knocking her out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see what happens if we chuck the board at her head. The oars dip softly into the water and the boat glides away. You raise your arm high and send the board spinning end over end. Your aim is not accurate. Damn it. The board hits the water with a splat, and the woman escapes into the vast expanse of the bay. Mm-hmm. What's going on out here, child? Edna says from behind you, clutching an old bathrobe around her. The woman driving the jeep came back and stole the rock, you say, puzzled. 
I suspected she'd try, Edna says. But I didn't think she'd come back tonight. Sorry, it must have been frightening. I don't get it. What's so special about the rock? Come inside, I'll tell you. You follow her into the cabin and watch as she goes to the refrigerator. To your surprise, she takes the rock from the shelf and hands it to you. Yay, it's one of them so smart. But I saw her pick it up. It was on the sink. That was a rock I used for a doorstop, Edna says. I put this one in the refrigerator before I went to bed. Why, you ask? This rock has special powers. She takes it from you and traces her finger along the etching of the bird. The Clusa Indians had strange rituals and beliefs. This rock is one of their sacred artifacts. Coupled with its mate, it has great power. To my knowledge, no one has ever had a matched set before. Before you repeat, do you have the mate? Edna nods. Yes, she says. I do. Oh. Mac found the mate years ago at a burial mound 20 miles from here. He said I was never to part with it until the other half was found. And then you part with it? <laughs> All right. Her eyes drift over a small wooden chest in the corner. He was sure the other half was here at Gull Bay, and he was right. What kind of power does it have, you ask skeptically? When placed side by side with its mate, with the goal facing west, Edna says, it will transform any person who puts one foot on each rock into its image. Into a gull, you ask? Trying to keep from laughing. It's the worst power ever. Mm-hmm. Edna nods. The sacred stones are said to have such power that after the shaman finished their etching, he would take a stone mallet and break the rock in two so the power would be divided. Matching stones were never kept in the same camp. That's why no one has ever found a set at one site. Can I see the other stone, you ask? No, she snaps. You're not to touch either stone until I've talked to Professor Harrison at the dig site east of the village. She takes the rock and puts it back in the refrigerator. Catch some shut eye, child. I'll tell Harry Harrison in the morning. Mm-hmm. You roll back into bed, but you can't sleep. Your eyes keep moving to the carved chest in the corner. Is the mate for the sacred stones in there? You ask yourself. Are there other treasures at the burial mound? Should you look in the chest while Edna's in the village? Or go back to the mound when she leaves. If you decide to look in the chest, turn to page 24. If you choose to go back to the mound, turn to page 86. Well, the only thing that other stone's going to get us is turn into a bird. Yeah. Just sort of stupid. Yeah. So maybe we should go look at the burial ground for something cooler. I feel like if we leave, somebody's going to come steal it. I think we should look in the chest, make sure it's there for safety reasons. Okay. Yeah. Let's look in the chest. Okay. I guess the worst that can happen is we turn into a bird. You turn into a bird. (laughs) After breakfast the next day, Edna hands you a wire brush. Scrape the old paint off the pier, she says. That'll keep you out of trouble. Oh, yeah. That's what we were supposed supposed to to come here and do things. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. You sigh. The pier looks as though it's a mile long. I'll be back as soon as I can, she says. Aren't you going to take the rock with you, you ask? Edna shakes her head. It's safer in the refrigerator than it is in the truck with me. That woman, whoever she is, is going to watch my every move. When the truck has disappeared down the trail, you go back into the boat and straight to the chest. It's full of interesting things. A bundle of letters to Mac from the university, fishing gear, a compass, hip boots, and a heavy raincoat and hat. Tons of interesting things. You're about to give up when your fingers feel something hard. The end. <laughs> You're about. I should have kept reading. You're about to give up when your fingers feel something hard. Rock hard. Wow. Down under the rain gear. It's the other half of the sacred rock. 
You run to the refrigerator and get its mate and carefully line them up side by side. The broken edges match perfectly. You squat down and look at the gull. The primitive beauty of the rocks fascinates you. But do they really hold special powers? You doubt it, but there's only one way to find out for certain. Do you dare? Maybe you should wait till Edna gets back with Professor Harrison. If you decide to test the power of the rocks, turn to page 58. If you decide to wait, turn to page 115. I'm waiting. I mean, we got him out. Let's do it. But we, Connie, we're supposed to be wire brushing the deck. Yeah, and being turned into a bird is dumb. Yeah. It is dumb, but we're already here. <laughs> we already found the mate, so we might as well try it. That's fair. You make a fair point. You take a deep breath and line the rocks up side by side with the goal facing west. You put your right foot on one rock. It feels cool and smooth to your bare soul. You're about to put your left foot on in place when you hear a noise. <gasps> Startled, you look up. The driver of the Jeep is standing in the doorway, and she's holding a gun. Jam your foot on it, goddammit. <laughs> she looks down at the rocks, and a slow smile crosses her face. You made it very easy for me, she says in a heavily accented voice that I didn't do. There are rumors that Mrs. McDonald had the other one. I was willing to bargain for it, but now I don't have to. This discovery should assure my promotion and greatly please the officials in my country. American professors seem to win all the international honors. It's time that was changed. Which is really boring motivation for a supervillain. <laughs> yeah. Step by step, she approaches as you stare at the gun. A feeling of nausea sweeps over you. You try to move, but your legs won't respond. Terrified, you lose your balance. <laughs> your left foot touches the rock, and you black out. When Edna and Professor Harrison returned to the boat, you were gone. The woman has vanished. The rocks have disappeared. The only clue they have as to what had happened is the frightened seagull perched on the open lid of the chest. The end. Oh, it worked. It worked! Yay! Yay. <laughs> now you're a seagull forever! Forever! Enjoy! Okay, well... I mean, I guess we could go back to the burial mound. Or uh, wait for... We can wait for them to show back up. Do our jobs. Mm-hmm. Go wire brush that pier. Plus, we'll probably see that lady coming. So you guys just want to wait. We're going to do our job, Jeremy. Responsible. <laughs> have all of the more interesting choices in the book you could have made. You're just nope. going to wait. Yep. We don't want to be a seagull. Seagulls are the worst. Okay. Waiting. The most boring choice that we've been given so far. Don't tempt fate, you tell yourself. You put one rock in the refrigerator and the other in the chest, taking care to put things back just as you found them. You're walking back to your job on the pier when you notice something glimmering in one of the pilings. It's the woman's knife. Edna hustled you into the cabin so quickly last night you forgot about it. You pull it out and stare at the blade before laying it down on the slats beside you. You go back to your scraping... The sun is hot, and your arms and shoulders are getting tired. You work a long time before you hear Edna's truck pull into the clearing. A Volkswagen follows her, and a man climbs out. That must be Professor Harrison, you tell yourself. You hurry to meet them. Oh, we get to meet Harry Harrison in this one. Indiana Harrison. Harry and the Harrisons. <laughs> Edna introduces you. You all go inside. Here you are, Harry, she says, taking the rock from the refrigerator. The professor examines the etching on the rock. Magnificent, he says. His voice drops. You still have the other? Edna nods, and your heart skips a beat as she lifts the lid of the chest. Will she be able to tell that you've been snooping? Mm -hmm. She gives no sign as she pulls out the mate and hands it to you. Mm, nope, that doesn't happen. She gives no sign as she pulls out the mate and hands it to the professor. 
He lines the rocks up side by side, stares at them for a long time, and then picks one up. May I take this one back to the dig with me? There's a vault there. It'll be safe until I can get it back to the university. Land's sakes, you're welcome to take them both, Harry, Edna says. Max said to keep his only until the mate was found. Professor Harrison shakes his head. No, he says slowly. Nobody can stand that much power. <laughs> the power will turn into a fucking gull. <laughs> no, he says slowly. Put it back in the refrigerator. The clues to wisdom is sound. They must not be kept in the same place. When this one is safely locked up in the University Museum, I'll come back for the other. Suit yourself, Edna says. It's been here for over 20 years. A little longer won't bother me. Do you want us to follow you back to the village? The professor chuckles. No, he says. I'll be quite safe. I'm a man. <laughs> I may stop on my way out. Take a look at the mound. After he leaves, Edna inspects your work on the pier. Nice job, she says. You've earned the afternoon off. I'm ready for a nap. I don't think our lady friend will be back for a while, just like I thought that last time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're ready for a nap, too. No way, you say. I want to do something exciting. Edna rolls her eyes and grins. As if we haven't had enough excitement, she says. What'd you have in mind? Oh, either go back to the mound or out on the bay, you say. The bay's calm today, Edna says, looking out on the water. Can you handle a rowboat? Yes, my dad taught me last summer. Good, she says, covering a yawn with her hand. You're responsible enough to do either one without me tagging along. I think I can trust you to stay out of trouble. If you decide to explore Gull Bay, turn to page 21. If you go back to the burial mound, turn to page 112. They really want us to go to the burial mound. They really do. Like. Yeah. Should we do that? I mean, real life, I'd much rather go out on go the Go on the bay? Boat. Yeah, me too. Let's go on the rowboat. Okay, we're going to ignore all of the signs to want us to go to the burial ground. Sounds good. I'd like to explore Gold Bay, tell Edna. She points to a rowboat under the pier. There's your transportation. It's old but sturdy. Put on a life jacket and take the binoculars. You may want to do some bird watching. <laughs> the oars are awkward at first, but once you get into a rhythm, the boat glides along smoothly. A half moon of white beach rims a small cove north of the Jolly Mac, and offshore there is a small island. You decide to stop at the island and look for whale's teeth. Tie the boat to a short dock and walk along the sand, picking up shells as you go. Just as you're about to head back to the boat, you hear voices. You move to the shelter of some low foliage. Farther down the beach, a man and a woman are filling pails with something. Are they clamming, you wonder? You lift the binoculars and step out of the foliage. That was a mistake, you tell yourself. The man looks up. Ah, oh, damn it. Hey, what are you doing here, he yells, running towards you. White shorts. You raise for the rowboat, jump in, shove off, and row as hard as you can. Edna is fixing dinner when you get back. <laughs> Apparently you're just done with that. Uh-huh. Well, how was your exploration, she asks. Fine until I got to the island, you tell her. Is that private property? Turtle Island? <laughs> land sakes, no, child. That's state land. The only private property left around here is mine. Everything else belongs to the state of Florida. She sets some dishes on the table. Mac and I used to go to Turtle Island every year to watch the green sea turtles coming in to nest. Last time the turtles came was in the late 50s. What happened to them? Poachers wiped them out. They butchered the turtles for the eggs and for calipi. They both brought good prices in fancy New York restaurants. What's calipi? Calipi is the cartilage over the lower shell. It's used to make turtle soup. Yuck, you say. Well, I didn't see any turtles, but I ran into a bad-tempered man. Fishing? Edna asks. No, he and his lady were filling pails, you say. With sand, Edna asks. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, I didn't hang around to get a really good look. But it looked to me like they were picking up ping pong balls. My land, Edna says, taking off her apron. The turtles must be back. Dinner's on hold. We're going to the village. This just became a book about turtles. Yep. Well, Professor Harrison has the stone, so we don't need to worry about that anymore. I don't get it, you say, as Edna grabs the truck keys. Why do you think the turtles are back? And why are we going to the village? Because, she replies, I think those ping pong balls you saw were turtle eggs, and the couple you saw are poachers. What I don't understand is why the ranger's patrol boat didn't see them. Matt usually makes an afternoon run. No wonder they were so upset when they saw me, you say. They'll have some stiff fines to pay if I have my way. Can't you use the radio to call the ranger, you ask? Edna shakes her head. That pair will have a receiver on their boat. I don't want to give them any warning. Depending on how many nests there are, they still may be there. Let's go upstairs and take a look. You follow her outside and up the ladder to the roof of the cabin. Edna adjusts the telescope and looks in the direction of the island. Do you see them, you ask? I see the man, she says, motioning for you to look. Their boat must be on the north side. I didn't see a boat at all, you tell her. But then I left in a hurry. Come on, Edna cries. We're going to town. She goes down the ladder and grabs her purse from the cabin. Heads for the truck in the clearing. Man, there's a lot of dilly-dallying. Yep. Wait till Matthew hears about this, Edna says, as she drives along the bumpy trail to the village. Matthew Matthewson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew Matthews. Oh, yeah. He's been working with a conservation group to get the island declared a sanctuary. They were trying to get the turtles to come back. Maybe it worked. The main street is deserted except for a few parked cars. The stores are closed and there's not a person in sight. Edna wheels the truck up a narrow lane between two stores and into a back alley. A sign on the building says, Nichols Drugstore. Upstairs, over the store, you see a light shining through some Venetian blinds. That's Matthew's office, Edna says, pointing to the window. At the top of a flight of wooden stairs, a door is open. You follow Edna inside. A young woman is seated at a desk. Where's Matt? Edna asks. The woman stands up, and you stare at her in disbelief. It's the woman from the island. Only now she's dressed in a ranger's uniform. And there's a revolver and a holster on her belt. She looks carefully at you both, and then speaks. I'm Julie Loomis, not Julie Julieson. Matthew's on vacation this week. I'm temporarily assigned to this station. Can I help you? I suppose you can, Edna says. If Matt's not available, somebody's got to save those turtles. Julie's eyebrow raises just a fraction. Turtles? Turtles, Edna repeats. (laughs) Are you stupid? This is a great conversation. (laughs) Turtles, you say? Turtles, says Julie. (laughs) You've got to stop her before she says too much. Let's wait till Matthew gets back, you say, tugging at her sleeve. Edna gives you a disappointing look. This won't wait, she says. That pair could be in France in a week. We need to catch them now while you can identify them. Identify who? Truly asks, looking at you carefully. Your heart is pounding. There's no way to stop Edna now. Quickly, she tells Julie about your afternoon adventure. You watch Julie's face carefully for some reaction, but there is none. The child can identify them, Edna concludes. Julie reaches for a clipboard and looks directly at you. Good, she says. Give me a description. Start with the man. You open your mouth, but nothing comes out. There's nothing to be afraid of, says Julie, smiling. You clear your throat. The man was about six feet tall, you say, and he was wearing tennis shoes, no socks, and cutoffs. Is that all? Julie asks. No, he had on a lime green striped shirt and sunglasses with orange lenses, had medium long brown hair, and a sort of fringe, but he was bald on top. And the woman, she asks, Uh. staring at you? (laughs) 
And the woman she asks, staring at you, you swallow. Uh, <laughs> uh She had medium long brown hair in her fringe and was bald on top too. <laughs> Should you tell her you can't remember so she won't know that you recognized her? Then you could tell Matthew that when he comes back, but that might be too late. Maybe you should confront Julie right now. If you lie about the woman, turn to page 12. If you confront Julie, turn to 100. We're going to confront her ass. What did the woman look like, Julie asks. You, you say. She looked exactly like you. Are you accusing the ranger of poaching, Edna asks. Julie gestures at Edna. It's all right, she says. You look at her warily. Is she being nice to make you less suspicious? I know what you're thinking, Julie says. You'll have proof shortly that the woman you saw was not me. She picks up the phone and dials a number. Captain Long, please, she says. There's a short pause. Ed, Eleanor's back in the area. Yes, Turtle Island. There's a man with her. Will you have someone pick them up? I have an eyewitness. Later, after you pick the poacher out of a lineup at the local police station, Julie explains. Evil twin. Eleanor is my cousin, she says. Evil cousin. She flunked out of ranger training and has been getting even with the state ever since. (laughs) She knew the state was working with a conservation group to get the turtles back to the island, so she took advantage of that knowledge for personal gain. You look like twins, you say. Our mothers were twins, Julia explains. We've been mistaken for each other before. It took courage for you to be that honest with me. She smiles at you. In a way... You're like the turtles you saved today. What do you mean, you ask? Delicious. The end. (laughs) We get no reward for that? A turtle never gets anywhere, Julie tells you, until it sticks its neck out. The end. (laughs) Okay. That took a turn at the end. Yep. That became a whole totally different book. Uh Yeah, yeah. I mean, that easily should have been two different books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. That one was kind of boring. Well, and they definitely were trying to steer us towards the burial mound. Yeah, we so did not I'm take sure the hint. We were like, eh, fuck that. Uh-huh. Fuck the thing that they want us to do the most. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was almost exciting a couple times there with the creepy people breaking into the boat and scurrying out of the underbrush and yeah. out from underneath the pier and just all those <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like roaches just scattered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, some of that was kind of cool. Yeah, but I mean, like the stones themselves were super anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. They're maybe, super dangerous. Maybe, they could turn you into a gull. Yeah, we might have found out more about them possibly if the whole Harry Harrison thing like went somewhere. Right. But I don't know. I... I <sighs> Fairly okay with most of the writing and stuff. But, the uh, writing was fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she went on too long about stuff that didn't matter, though. Yeah, like it felt like a lot of padding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do, I do think the whole turtle tangent could have been just left out entirely. Yeah, yeah. That's what you get for going to a place called Turtle Island. I guess you didn't, didn't even get to ride one. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't even get to ride one. <laughs> so yeah, I'll probably pass on yeah, it. Yeah, I'd probably it. give soft. Soft recommend. So. All right. Well, uh, if you want to check out some more True Turn Adventure books, go to cyoa.com. If you want to check out more of our stuff, go to incrediblydaring.com. And I am Jeremy. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. Bye. Bye.